0: Welcome to I'm Uncomfortable, I'm Vanessa and I'm Melissa and we've been friends since everybody's favorite time of life, puberty.
1: Like most people who thought cutting their own bangs was a good idea, we're professionals in feeling that itchy, cringy, out-of-place awkwardness. Join us as we unapologetically
0: explore the topics that make us cringe and how to be okay with it.
1: Now let's get uncomfortable. Welcome to episode 23 of I'm Uncomfortable. As per usual, at the start of every episode, we share what's made us uncomfortable lately. And today we have a special guest to share in that uncomfortable moment with us. We
0: sure do. Today we are joined by Nick Serrano, campaign manager of California State Assembly member Todd Gloria, who happens to be running for mayor of San Diego, California. Thank you for being with us today, Nick. Do you want to start us off by sharing your uncomfortable moments? moment?
2: I think it was that introduction that made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Because I, I'm, I'm definitely not the person who's used to being in the spotlight or uh, introduced right. at these types of things. I'm always the person doing uh, either the introduction or standing behind uh, the stage. But uh, yeah, thank, thank you both for uh, having me and allowing me to be here. I'm definitely looking forward to this. I mean, honestly, if Uh, I don't have a lot that makes me comfortable anymore. Uh, We are uh, 21 days from an election. Uh, So uh, my anxiety is at an all-time high. But uh, yeah, you know, I think just the, you know, in in leading and running a, a political campaign that you've invested a lot of time in, I think just the uncertainty of everything uh, is something that is making me <laughs> uncomfortable. So I think uh, that's just kind of what it is. And then, you know, you add the layer of being in a global pandemic on top of that. And oh, your wait, life is... Oh, let's
0: not forget. Yeah, let's exactly. Forget.
2: It, and your <laughs> life is kind of like Groundhog Day every single day. It's just you kind of do the same thing. And so, I mean, uh, yeah. So that that's kind of what makes me uncomfortable, at least lately.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're, you're not alone in mm-hmm. that. I Groundhog <laughs> Day. Say.
0: I haven't heard it put that way, but that's so accurate.
1: That's... <laughs> it's... Very inaccurate description. What about you, uh, Melissa? How about you? Yeah, so for me, um, I am actually going to be a speaker on a panel for an industry wide organization next week, which um, I suppose is new for me. But the added layer of uncomfortable is that I, you and I, Vanessa, are going on a little like work from home retreat staycation in a semi remote area of California. And I want to make sure that we have ample Wi-Fi so that I can actually be a participant in this panel. Uh, So, yeah, I had my planning meeting um, today with the other speakers and the organizers of this uh, webinar panel. And I was like, oh, geez, there's a lot that goes into it. And, yeah, see, it feels a little bit out of my league, but I think that's just imposter syndrome. (laughs) So, yeah, a little bit uncomfortable, but, you know, we'll just... That's what that
0: that. is. Thanks for sharing, both of you. Um, Mine is a little funny. Well, I don't know. I think it's funny. Uh, (laughs) For those of you who don't know yet by now, uh, I am an assistant principal for an elementary school, but I wasn't always that. I was once a teacher and I was on Facebook today doing some admin stuff when a student I used to teach, hit me up via messenger. And he was like, oh, hi, do you remember me? It's been five years since I was in your class. And then I did some math on my fingers really quickly because, you know, (laughs) math. And I was like, whoa, if if that was five years ago, that means you're a freshman in high school. And then I had to really sit down because that meant my first class of kids I ever taught are like high school seniors and will be going off to college next year. And I was like, hold up like i don't there's no wrinkles yet right how old like what's happening how are they that old and going to college i don't understand that's bananas so yeah. so that was my uncomfortable moment and then i stopped replying to him because it was too much for me
1: existential crisis <laughs> It's that's like, like have my like good days
0: sweetheart. do your do your homework do your, <laughs> i
1: can't Well, yeah, thank you all for sharing your uncomfortable moments. Um, Yes, and Nick, in terms of relating back to your uncomfortable moment, or I should say uncomfortable existence at this point, Mm -hmm. um, it's no doubt that we are in the last stretch of an election season arguably the most important election we are participating in as eligible voters. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been getting a ton of information thrown our way, whether it be through social media. I just attended a workshop that went through all of the props Mm -hmm. um, that we will be voting on, Um, literally just reading things, reading up and doing our research. So while the 2016 election was important, it seems that this 2020 election has more stake given the civil unrest and of course the global pandemic that we can't forget about Mm -hmm. so for most of us democracy tends to be a cyclical situation comes to mind when it is election season but for Nick um, democracy is his everyday. Um, I know that Vanessa shared a brief introduction but did you want to give the audience a few more details about yourself Nick
2: I'd be happy to. You know, I, uh, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, the way I know Melissa is through our time in college together. Uh, yes. We both attended uh, San Diego State University um, and more or less the, I guess, the beginning, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I started in public service in, when I was 17 years old. Um, I ended up just getting an internship with um, the San Diego County District Attorney's Office. And at the time, I didn't know that the district attorney was actually an elected official. Um, But that's kind of the first exposure that I really got um, to working for uh, elected officials or those who are involved in politics. And, um, you know, just over time, you know, I've always known that government is where I wanted to work. I know that government, when when done right, has the ability to really make a difference in people's lives. And uh, people interact with government every single day. It's all around them. Uh, they just don't really see it and, and, right. and or pay attention to it, I should say. And, uh, you know, I just believe in the power of it. I believe in the power of it to, to really do good for people. And so that's why I've stayed in this. I uh, started in working for Todd, who is now an assembly member, um, when he was a city council member. He was uh, the city uh, council president and interim mayor at the time when I met him. Um, And that was just the reason I I ended up having the opportunity to work with him was because I had to complete an internship at San Diego State in order to graduate. The internship had to be in local politics, and uh, he was by, in my mind, uh, the best elected official in San Diego. I still believe that to this day. And uh, you know, really what happened was, you know, I completed the internship for college, um, knew that this was the field that I wanted to stay in, that I wanted to be part of. Um, You know, I just really found some purpose in it. I graduated and I didn't have a job offer at that time. I was really just committed to what I was doing. So I I committed to myself that I would volunteer for about six months, but I was like, you know, July 4th, you really need to start thinking about like doing something different if they're not gonna offer you a job. And I just kept saying yes to everything. I just kept saying yes to every uh, opportunity that came my way. And uh, lo and behold, they eventually offered me a job as a staff assistant. I was able to work my way up to from a staff assistant to a community representative, and then we ended at City Hall as I ended as his communications director. Then they brought me onto the assembly team as his communications director, and uh, then the opportunity to came to, for me to uh, run his campaign for mayor. They needed somebody to, um, to to do this, to dedicate themselves to this, and you know I was presented with an opportunity to run for office myself, and I decided not to because. Um, you know, this, it's never been about me, you know, I, I, it's, this has always been about San Diego and the city that I love and that I call home. And what I knew is that we need a mayor who, uh, knows the city, who knows how to run the city well, who's going to be able to move it forward and, and, make progress for everybody. And I knew Todd was the person and I just decided that that was more important than me running for office. And so I, I decided to give my all to this. So we start, we announced in January, uh, 2019. And uh, I've been at it ever since. So uh, I could tell you one yeah. thing: Good God, this has been a lot of campaign draw. I mean, this is <laughs> this has been 20 months, and it's been excruciating. It, it's only excruciating in the sense that you know, we, politics is what it is. I mean, it's just it's not mm-hmm. it's not a pretty sport. Um, right. But uh, at the, yeah, at the end of the day, I, so I've been fortunate to be his campaign manager for the last 20 months. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're close to the finish line now. So I I'm, I'm, feel very yeah. fortunate. Um, and, you know, I would just say, you know, the reason, you know, part of this is why this is so important to me is that, um, you know, San Diego is the eighth largest city in the United States, the second largest in California. Uh, no, I did not misspeak. San Francisco is not bigger than San Diego. Um, <laughs> it's not, no. <laughs> but importantly, you know, this, this election really has the ability to make history and to break barriers because San Diego has never elected a person of color full stop wow. yeah or a lgbt person an openly gay man uh, wow. to be its mayor and uh mm-hmm. that's important and so um this it really just feels a lot larger than me and so it's uh it's why i'm fighting every day so yeah that's that's my story
0: wow i mean congratulations on making it yeah. all close
1: you know to the end
2: well thank you thank you <laughs> yeah
1: we're almost there almost there <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm definitely sure you have more uh, stakes in it for sure. Um, yeah. So you kind of stole my thunder from my first question because I did did want to give a little bit, which is great. Less less um, talking for me. Um, but yeah, since it's been a long time since, since we've caught up, as Nick mentioned, we did go to college together. We did have one of our um, I want to say our capstone projects together. We were in a group project hold up in in the library for hours on hours to get our um, you know strat I forget what it even was about um, you know we put together a public relations strategy for a client that I think we made up at the time or I have no idea at this point. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but what I do remember, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, did you end up because I graduated with um, a degree in journalism with an emphasis in public relations, um, but I never really knew it was your emphasis originally public relations. Did you switch to something else? Did you switch to political science or correct me if I'm wrong there?
2: No, you're you're definitely not wrong. You know, when I got to San Diego State, you know, I, it was all of a sudden this whole new world. You're like, I can no. major in what now? You know, you can major in all <laughs> these different things. You know, your whole life, you go through it's math, English, social studies, you know, yeah. PE, and that's it. And, yeah. you know, you get to college and you're like, wow, you know, like, wh- what the hell is anthropology? <laughs> And yeah. you know, it's the study of people. And you're like, well, that's that's large. And I, yeah, so I ended up getting a degree in political science to answer your question directly. And the reason why Melissa and I uh, crossed paths was because I had, you know, I had known that in government I wanted to do communications. Because as much yeah. as I believe in government, I believe that their relationship with news media in terms of the, them being the fourth estate and how they influence, especially what I do now in terms of elections, uh, mm-hmm. is critical. And so having those people who we call the gatekeepers who can provide that information or just be able to have those relationships with the media so that you can get that earned media for your candidate or your elected official, that's just critical in, in terms of shaping public perception, not only just about government, but about you know, the, the candidate or elected official. Um, so I tried to make the transition to uh, a journalism and PR uh, degree And the challenge for me was that it would have required me to basically completely overhaul my entire GE. Oh, and PS, and by the way, uh, we had to take what's called uh, the GSP.
1: Grammar, Spelling, Punctuation.
2: And so, I mean, so so you had to take a grammar, spelling and punctuation test to even get admitted to the major. Yeah, And it wasn't like, you know, there's just a comma missing there or like there's just this (laughs) little like misspelled word here.
1: It's complicated.
2: (laughs) It is complicated and absolutely just blatantly deceitful. Like it is (sighs) meant to make you think less of yourself.
1: It's true. It really is true. It's this whole scenario. This is like that they make that test, the like make or break situation and I you know, it's Oh, my gosh. Grammarly be- really corrects me every day.
2: <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, Melissa was a lot smarter than me, so I think she passed it. And, um, you know, eventually, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't that. I mean, like, you know, I could have petitioned to get in, but it was just the whole mm-hmm. I'd have to like I would have basically had to spend another two years in college to basically get oh, that degree. No. And, you know, at that point, I was just like, yeah, you know what? I- I've done my time. Get me out. Like, you know, right. I- I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And so I took my degree in political science and that ran with it. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't I don't think I would say I had the college experience that I wanted in terms of the degree that I wanted. But I think it's, you know, if I wouldn't have graduated at the time that I did, I would not probably be in the position that I am today. And so oh, yeah. that's how you know that it's sort of the right I made the right decision. In that.
0: I love that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, where you are today is someone who, you um, Melissa tells me, according to your IG, that you're now uh, friends with Kamala Harris. <laughs> tell, tell us more, please.
2: I I wouldn't say.
1: <laughs> we're basing it on the number of I, pictures you have with Kamala Harris, and Compared we're like you're basing the number friends. of
2: our pictures. So um, that that's a funny story too. So I, I guess part of what I omitted from my bio just because I didn't want it to be too long. I I don't like talking about myself, but so you know. <laughs> When Todd announced for state assembly, you know, he, he had to leave the city council because he had reached term limits. So he had to go find something else to do. And so he decided to run for the state legislature and he needed he, he was the odds on favorite. He was like basically the only guy in the race. So we knew he was going to win. But they needed a campaign manager for that, too, because, you know, people there's just stuff to do questionnaires because people want to endorse you meetings mm-hmm. they have to set up fundraisers oh. stuff like that so they needed somebody and so i i took up that so i took up that in 2016 as well and um so that was the same time that kamala harris was running for united states senate and you know me i mean i'm just like you know i i'm trying to find ways for you know Todd to get out there. I'm trying to find uh-huh. ways for him to be able to make connections. And you know, we you know we we were a, a local elected official, so we were only in San Diego. So we're trying okay. to make this jump up to like a statewide sort of platform. And mind you, Kamala Harris was also the state's attorney general at the time. And so uh, I forget what I did, but I I think <laughs> I contacted her campaign or something like that. And I was like, he's running for assembly. We'd love to you know try and you know you know he's obviously supportive of you. We hope that you'd be supportive of us. Mm-hmm. and you know next thing I know you know we uh we locked down her endorsement uh she wants to come to San Diego <laughs> so she came so I remember I, I remember I don't know if he's gonna like me telling this story but I'm gonna tell it. <laughs> I remember I remember I had to go into him and basically tell him that like hey Kamala Harris is gonna endorse you and oh and by the way she's coming to San Diego and she wants you to you know help her um and so I go in That's and amazing. tell him that and he's like well oh, I already know her uh- <laughs> okay like he's like yeah i met her all of that. <laughs> he's like he's like he's like yeah i met her and 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 really what that was was that was that was todd just kind of like trying not to fangirl just kind of oh. like trying <laughs> to keep it cool um, i learned that i learned that later because what that turned oh. into what that turned into was like then she was like oh at the california democratic party convention she's going to go into the latino caucus meeting and she wants you to help escort her in so we have photos of that uh, on awesome. GOTV they were like walking the streets of San Diego handing out uh, I don't know if you know where the donut bar is in San Diego but like they, they usually have like a long line around the door or whatever so we were trying to encourage people to get out to vote um, okay. and they handed out beignets to all the people who were waiting in line to get into donut bar then we had you know a rally with you know other folks and then you know that led to she introduced you know a couple months down the road she introduced a, an education plan to try and provide education for everybody uh, he he introduced her there, and so it's just kind of led to these series of things. yeah, obviously, she got elected to the United States Senate. She ran for president, and I was you know we were we were we were on that day one ish, like we were just I was literally in the audience in Oakland uh, watching okay. her because I was like, yeah, there's just no other choice in this. like we are backing the hometown girl um, mm-hmm. and and you know, any, in any case. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the, I think the proudest thing that I've done was actually the office that I'm sitting in right now uh, in the primary this past March. Um, she came here and campaigned for Todd and gave probably the most resounding speech I've ever heard, just in terms of, like, supporting him. Um, she stood right here. You can't see where I'm pointing at, but, like, right here. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that was just in March. I mean, that was just a few months ago. And wow. lo and behold, she is now the, the the Democratic Vice President. She's about to be the Vice President of the United States. And yes, there know, it is. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just what it's gonna be. And you know she is absolutely uh, one of the most down to earth elected officials, just like Todd is. <sighs> um, what you see is what you get. She is just she's personable. She. You know she just gets it and she's the exact type of person that you would want in public office and so yes. yeah I've been I've been very proud to support her I felt very blessed that I've had the opportunity to meet her that she might somehow remember who I am um, I think it's <laughs> the hair um, but yeah I mean yeah it's it's she's great she is absolutely great I'm so glad that she's supporting Todd I'm so glad to support her so yeah I, I, <sighs> I know she's gonna win and uh, and after that I mean just think of what's possible when she wins and yes. you know, I mean just think um and the fact
1: i'm hanging on to that hope that's the light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) that i'm you know yeah right
0: yeah i'm like living vicariously through you right now it's amazing (laughs) i mean well okay people always say you know that there's like three things you don't talk about at the dinner table or whatever you're like politics religion and money but that's your entire life in terms of work so in your opinion i want to get your take on why you think that that's uncomfortable for people to talk about political issues
2: I think it's because it's it has the ability to be confrontational, mm. um, Yeah. which you're, yeah. and let's just be clear, I mean, generally, a lot of folks like to avoid confrontation. And you're dealing with a belief system. You're dealing mm. with people's beliefs, what it is that they have either come to believe or have been taught to believe. Mm-hmm. And I would also suggest that politics, kind of like I mentioned earlier about government, it has a real impact on people's lives. And again, you may not consider that on the day-to-day, but on the big issues that tend to be campaigned on, healthcare, uh, housing, you know, people's ability to make ends meet, to get a job, those sort of things, you know, touch home for people. And and I I even neglected to mention, you know, education. And and when you're talking about people's kids and their future, you know, I mean, it just has the ability to get really personal. And, um, you know, I think part of this, too, is that we have charged up so many issues um, in my mind that don't need to be charged up. I'm thinking of things like the Second Amendment. Um, Mm. And I'm not and that's not me saying that the Second Amendment should stand. I actually believe the opposite. Um, You know, I mean, it's just it's become just very charged conversations. Again, it it stems from a place of, um, you know, people's lived experiences and what they've come to believe. Um, And so I think because of the fact that, you know, especially in the instance that you mentioned at the dinner table, that it could cause confrontation. And because you may believe something so passionately that it may lend itself to you realizing that, you know, a member of your own family doesn't share the same values that you do. That's that's a challenge to accept. It's hard. So I think people just avoid it and they just. You know, they just they, they, that they would rather just not have those conversations, not have those confrontations. Um, but the flip side of that is that, you know, it shows that we're able to get past politics and actually be able to come together for... Um,
1: Humanity? You
2: know, <laughs> like I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, like, you're, you're able to get past that, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think all of us are entitled to our own political beliefs. And um, you know for a lot of people actually in this country they don't identify with a particular political ideology and that's mm-hmm. fine too but w- what I always just suggest is that as much as we want to take it personal you can't take it personal and you shouldn't
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah I mean it's not it's just not something to really um, take personal all of the time I think um, because I think we've shown an ability to get past that. I mean, there's plenty of people that you interact with on a daily basis where you'll never know what their political ideology is.
0: Right, right. I like that advice. Not taking it personally. It's hard.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> it's easy to, and that's exactly the reason why people do find it yeah, yeah, uncomfortable and don't want to talk about it. But um, yes, in terms of more uncomfortable feelings surrounding the election, <laughs> um, we are currently being inundated with all of the types of voter engagement efforts across all platforms from mm-hmm. social media, I've seen some on TikTok, yep. Instagram, Facebook, the good old fashioned TV commercial that's, you know, negative towards each other, kind of clashing in that sense, right. in an effort to get more people to engage and to vote on these issues. So, why do you think there is a need for these types of campaign strategies? And in your opinion, what makes voting seem so difficult to navigate as that? average person, you know, that is trying to filter through all of these different <laughs> people and issues being yelled into one ear and, and, and another and you know, in the other ear. So, what are, you know, as a campaign manager, how do you, what are your thoughts on these types of campaign strategies?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I, I can certainly speak from, you know, my end and, and say that, you know, I don't think anybody truly wants to run a negative campaign, Um Unfortunately, there's uh, you know, people feel that there's instances where you have to inform folks of the negative so that you can yeah. get the result that it is that you want. Um, but I think what makes it even more difficult is just, and kind of tying into the previous question, is that voting does take, you know, it takes effort. It takes, it takes effort in the sense that you have to learn about what it is that you're voting for. And I think for people who, again, only will deal with this um, you know, when election time comes around, having to sort of catch up on what happened in the last two years or um, <laughs> four years in the case of a presidential election, um, uh-huh. just having to do all that research to kind of make up your own mind, and it, it's just daunting it's just daunting for people. and Because I think a lot of people just check out of politics and government in general until they have to deal with it. Right. And, you know, I think that's unfortunate. I mean, I think it's unfortunate that that's the case. I would, I would obviously prefer that more people pay attention to it um, because I guess I would just say, I don't like the fact that people engage with government when they're outraged about something, you know? And, right. um, or, or they, they kind of like check in like only at that point when something mm-hmm. is going wrong in their community. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I would hope that they would also come to it with, you know, some pride, I guess, at some point, you know, getting involved in other things that, you know, because other things happen in government, you know, elected officials put on other things that are, um, you know, separate from, you know, just when you have to have a public hearing that's particularly contentious over a particular issue. Um, But yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, the challenge for voting is, is that it's just daunting for folks to research everything that may be placed on a ballot, all the candidates, all the ballot measures, all that stuff, and to figure out, you know, where it is that you stand and how that's going to impact your family and really just get your arms around that. I mean, that's, that's just tough. It's, it's work. It does take work. I mean, if you think about all the people who, you know, when you see, uh, when you see a candidate on your ballot, when you see a ballot measure that's on your ballot, that's usually years and years of work that's gone into that moment, in which case you, you bubble the, you know, the circle next to it.
1: Right. I guess I do have a follow-up question then. Mm-hmm. I, I did talk about you know, the different methods in which people are communicating to each other and sharing their ideas. And, and you know it seems like, I mean, everything that's happening in 2020, mm-hmm. the pandemic, um, the, you know, civil unrest that's been going on, um, has led at least in my echo chamber, um, to an increase in those conversations that we talked about are uncomfortable. We Mm -hmm. don't like confrontation. The average person doesn't like confrontation, Mm -hmm. but it seems like people are learning to be more willing to do that work, that research, um, and I suppose, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I know that you said that um, you wish that people would be more engaged. And I guess, in my opinion, I think that is the little positive, the silver lining with everything that's been going on, is that people are opening up. And have you noticed that in, in this current campaign that you're you're managing? Have you noticed that trend in, in engagement?
2: Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, I would point to, you know, when we started this campaign and up through the primary. I mean, when we surveyed San Diegans and asked them what the top issues were on their mind, it was, you know, homelessness, housing, and, mm-hmm. you know, either infrastructure or climate. I mean, like those you know, those were the those were the issues that they were concerned about. Get to the primary, you know, go a week later and COVID hits and here you are right. and you survey San Diegans again and they're concerned about <laughs> Covid recovery, economic recovery, um, mm-hmm. and and I would just say you know, economic recovery or the economy period was like probably the second to last issue that people were concerned about pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. um, and then racial justice. Yeah, I mean racial justice is uh, is definitely up there now. I mean it is it is it is definitely a thing. And I, I'll I'll share with you know, we we have a, a racial justice plan on our website uh, toddglory Plug that, um, mm-hmm. and it is the most visited issue on our website. Wow. And, um, you know, we also have one on homelessness. We have one, a a, a plan on housing, and that is the one that people visit the most is racial justice. And uh, that's been interesting. And, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so the priorities are definitely different. And I think it's great that, you know, you know, I, I don't, even, I don't want to call George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, anywhere near a, sil- a silver lining. Um, but I think what it did was obviously activate a, right. um, not only just, you know, our, our black community and put them at the center, mm-hmm. but it has opened the eyes of other communities. And, um,
1: of something that's been happening for right. so long. That
2: that has been happening for so long. Something that we have known probably needs change, right. and um, now the public is asking for it, yeah. and you 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 see that reflected in you know the step the actions that government has taken across the board, local, state, mm-hmm. and federal. Um, yeah. You know they hear been, you. They hear they've been you. They've forced to. Yeah. They hear you. you. And, um, you know, that's the thing that we've been saying on this campaign trail is that we want you to translate that activism into progress. And that's and and let's and let's just put to the side the people who, you know, did the violent protests where they were looting and burning Mm -hmm. stuff down. I, I was about to cuss. I didn't. I don't know if i can do that here um you're free to cuss on this it's up to you okay i didn't didn't know if this was you know like a pg podcast or something like that um but i mean yeah i mean you know put those people aside because that's really the distraction in all of this right and Mm -hmm. it, it is the people that i know at least in san diego who are this core group of folks who yeah i mean they go out to the streets they speak their mind and you know that's their right in this country Um, But they're the ones focused on translating that activism into policy and then policy into progress. And I think that's what you can admire in this situation. And uh, for the folks that, you know, think the status quo is okay, you know, I think, um, you know, I I think we all have to listen a bit more in this situation. And going back to why politics can be so comfortable, uh, uncomfortable, excuse me politics and the development of a political ideology, you know, the belonging to a party is very much rooted in, you know, your upbringing and who you are, right? Mm, Yeah. And why it can be contentious is because it comes from a place where you have to recognize that, you know, everybody has a different lived experience. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: you can't expect me to think like you because my life isn't like yours. You haven't been through what I've been through. You don't know the series of events that led me to the point of meeting you that have shaped me to be, you know, who I am or to to shape what I believe. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And, you know, sometimes with politics and when you come to those sort of the things that you support, the things that you oppose, it can call into question all of that or people can call into question all of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And try and tell you that you're wrong. Right. And I think especially with situations like what we're seeing with Black Lives Matter, you know, all these other sort of calls for racial justice, it comes from a place where you have to step back and acknowledge that there has been a different lived experience in this country for a lot of people. And folks like me who haven't had that same lived experience, you know, have to really take a step back and acknowledge that and, and be able to respect it for what it is and really be able to listen to it and not be fearful that you know it is it is going to result in you know anarchy and all these other things
0: right right
2: everybody has to come to politics come to this work in government from a place of acknowledging that everybody who is in it and working has a different lived experience and I think that's what folks don't usually um,
1: recognize
2: recognize or pay attention to
0: I mean yeah I guess it's not top of mind Because it's not your experience. And I I want to touch on something that you said earlier, too, because it keeps resonating with me. That idea of wishing that people would be more involved in government, not just when it's the time when everyone else is doing it, but on a more regular basis. Uh, So, you know, you are a campaign manager for a local politician right now. You're doing things, you said, because you love the city that you're in. And so I want to know from your perspective why it's just as important to vote and participate on a local level as it would be on a more national scale.
2: Um, Yeah, the local stuff is what you deal with every day. I mean, it's the road that you drive True. on, it's the stoplight that you're looking at, it's the uh, police officer that you may call when you need an uh, emergency assistance, it's the firefighter that you may call if you need emergency assistance, um, it's the, um, the, the water pipes that are delivering water to your house. Um, it, local government is truly what I believe the most intimate form of government because it's literally the stuff that you interact with every single day. You may never, ever interact with your state legislator or state government until at which point you have to renew at the DMV, (laughs) right? And you probably just unconsciously don't even think that it's the DMV. I mean, that that state government. That you just no, kind of yeah, just no. like oh, you, know, you know, it's just it's just what I got to go do, right? Right. Um, yeah. And that's been the change for me. You know, I, I as I said, I went from a city council office to uh, a state legislative office, and that's the biggest thing is the degrees of separation, right? People used to call our city hall office all the time about you know, there's this pothole on this street. My um, oh, yeah. trash can is busted, or the trash didn't come p- get picked up every day. Oh, this water pipe burst. You know, that's just stuff that happens sort of on the daily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the stuff at state legislative offices is, is certainly a little bit more. Uh, you know, it's a little bit far between, but they're also just deeper issues, I guess, is what I would say. You know, it's 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 folks who are trying to get, you know. Restaurants who are trying to get liquor licenses, get their ABC Mm -hmm. license, you know, trying to get your driver's license. Um, Lately, with COVID, it's been unemployment, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's when a lot of folks for the first time have had to access their state government was because they needed unemployment. Um, So I think, and that's kind of why we are coming back to run for mayors because of the fact, you know, this this is the closest form of government. You know, we think... That because it is something that you interact with every day, that is something that deserves that priority in the mayor's office um, Mm -hmm. because it it impacts your quality of life so directly. I just don't think people see that all the time. But
0: yeah, (laughs) when I look at
1: that connection, frankly,
0: when I look at the stoplight or the street, I'm not thinking about government. I'm thinking about whatever is right in front of my face. So that's a good perspective. I yeah. think that'll help.
2: <laughs> and, and so that's why the local elections are just, are, are impor- I mean, all of the elections are important. I mean, whoever mm-hmm. you put there, you know, has the ability to, you know, they speak for you. Those are the people right. who speak for you. And it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. You know, as taxpayers, you all, as much as we want you to be engaged, you at the end of the day do pay us to advocate on your behalf.
1: Proxy, yeah. Yeah,
2: and to try and get you the information that you need to know. But yeah, there's just there's just a segment of the population that always kind of just checks out and just doesn't, you know, they they just think government's inherently evil. And I think that's I think that's just the wrong perspective to take. And, you know, I think everybody should be engaged in their government because it's funded by your tax dollars. They speak for you and the issues that they're dealing with will directly impact your life.
1: Yeah, and I related so much to when you were listing out all of the things about the potholes on the street and the water pipes that burst um, because I work in um, a special district for the local water agency here um, in Los Angeles. And a lot of the times when I do hear folks calling, um, community members calling, they're trying to navigate. I help them. I walk them through their city website because a lot of times people find that, Dealing with even government at the local level is, you know, intimidating. So as a, you know, in the communications department, I do feel strongly about that, about making sure that we're empowering these people with the information that they need and contact the people, their elected officials, the way they want to. So, yeah, I definitely resonate with that so much (laughs) when you're going through that. But I do want to transition into, and you've sprinkled a bunch of different suggestions throughout this whole conversation which we're grateful for um but you know as we do typically for our episodes we try to give suggestions on what people can do to be more comfortable with this topic and this time we'd like to address the issues surrounding politics and voting and so my question is what are your suggestions on having productive conversations with folks that don't agree with your political views you touched on it a little bit before. And I think a lot of it has to do with recognizing and acknowledging the humanity in people and people's lived experiences being different from yours. But is there anything else that you wanted to add in terms of having people trying, like me and Vanessa, trying to have um, these productive conversations with folks that don't agree with with our political views? Yeah.
2: I mean, I I think it's exactly what I said earlier, which is, uh, you know, come to the table, uh, understanding that the people that you're speaking at the table with are, have a different lived experience than yours and you know it's it's not for anyone of us to question or, or, or validate um, it's just something that we all have to just acknowledge you know um, mm.
0: Mm.
2: everybody just has a, everyone has a story everyone has a, a reason uh, an experience for why they are the way that they are why they believe what they believe and um, so i would say you know when you have these conversations come seeking understanding it's mm. you are fully i think everyone should be fully empowered to share their perspective um share their story i think that's fine um but what i would say is that you know i don't think it's enough for you, anyone to be shunned out of anyone's life because they share a different political belief than you do um no matter how bad that is, I think it's always possible to have respect respectful conversations and you know I, I would say this is the central challenge of government and politics in general. I mean this is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. working across the aisle is definitely coming to the table with that acknowledgement, acknowledging that someone from California and someone from Kentucky are going to have fundamentally different upbringings <laughs> than, than other folks, right? I mean and so those fundamental upbringings are going to shape who these people are and um, what they believe. And I think you just have to be able to work, to understand and to just have conversations to try and find a middle ground because it is possible. As someone who works in government, I know it's possible. It's just, you have to be willing to put in that work, have that understanding and uh, be able to, you know, have the discussion, have the argument if you need to but don't leave the table angry. It, it is possible for all of us to find common ground and to be able to share our, our, our perspective and dis- and to disagree, you know, without being disagreeable.
1: And empathy.
0: Yeah. Come seeking understanding. I think that's a great way to put it. I think oftentimes we are so averse to having the conversation because we come in ready to fight or we come in ready to defend. We don't come in yeah. ready to listen. Right,
2: So that's so helpful. And, and what I would say it's also, I think there's also a degree of this where folks also have to realize that you can be un- unapologetic for your beliefs
0: mm-hmm.
2: and mm-hmm. what you believe. You can. Y- you are absolutely allowed to be that way. I'm unapologetic for the things that I believe. And that does not mean that I'm not open to hearing where other people stand on this issue or telling me why I'm wrong. But they're okay. allowed to have that opinion. They're allowed to have that opinion. That's what that is. It's an opinion. But it doesn't have to change my perspective. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, that that has come to me over a period of time where, you know, I think, you know, what I've done just kind of on a self-care mental health level over a number of years is, you know, really been become secure and, you know, through analyzing, you know, who I am, why it is that I believe what I believe and, all that stuff, you know, you just become secure with who you are and what what it is that you believe, and probably have some understanding about what it is that you, why or why you believe that. And I think when you get to that point um, of understanding yourself a bit better in that sense, um, you know, you you will be unapologetic in it because it's what you feel, and right. no one and no one can take that away from you.
0: Well, Nick, I think part of something that you've been saying earlier is. Um, people having to do the work and, and having to actually think about what it is they're voting for. Because uh, you mentioned you have to know yourself and what you stand for. Mm-hmm. So this election, I think, is actually the perfect time to do the research if you haven't, or to think about who you are, what where you came from, why you believe the things that you do. Uh, so... Melissa and I are actually doing this really cool thing with one of our friends back home. So when we're going on our little work from home retreat, we're doing like a ballot party where we're going to sit down, discuss, you know, I feel safe with them, whether they agree or disagree on the issues. I know that I respect their opinion and perspective. And so it's going to be nice to have them to bounce ideas off of for the things that we're voting for, Mm -hmm. because it can be overwhelming to see all the things that are on the ballot and not know, you know, half the names that you see, especially for the local elections if you haven't been following it. so. The ballot party is one way that I know I'm going to feel more comfortable participating. But I'm wondering, do you have any suggestions for helping people overcome that overwhelm or that anxiety around researching, around voting and preparing to vote, rather?
2: Yeah, you know, I'll be candid. It's certainly a lot easier if you belong to a particular political party. Um, they mm-hmm. kind of do a lot of the work for you in terms of you know sharing their recommendations. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't by any means suggest that that is a mandate for anybody um, you know, that's a whole nother set of research where you have to you look into the party's platform What it is that they believe and if that matches up with what you you believe um, mm-hmm. and, and if so, you know, feel free to belong to that party um, there's a lot of people that I know where they're like, yeah, you know I, I believe with most of the stuff that, you know, Democrats believe but then there's this one particular issue that just, you know I, I can't subscribe to that and so therefore I'm an independent Okay mm. Um, but, you know, I think um, there, there's a lot of great websites out there that try and break this stuff down. The League of Women Voters is a good sort of nonpartisan site. Ballotpedia, I think, does a good job of breaking it down for, you know, a yes vote on this measure means this, a no vote means that. Um, I think that's the toughest challenge usually with with a lot of these is the ballot measures. That's what I tend to hear is folks are like, I can't, I read through the ballot handbook and I don't know <laughs> What the fuck that just said? Like
1: it's jargon city. Yeah, it's exactly. Spoiled. What is yes? Like, what is no? Y- you
2: might as well just be speaking to me in riddles. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> it makes
1: By vote yes, this means I don't support this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And um, you know, so I mean, I think that becomes the most daunting task, but I think there's plenty of websites out there, and so I would certainly just encourage that. Um, yeah, I mean, and I would encourage obviously the, these, the, the parties that you mentioned, getting together with friends, families, if you, family, if you can stand it, um, you know, that's, that, that's always good, especially when you're able to talk things through and, um, you know, be able to just to collaborate in that sense. Um, you know, I would also just not hesitate to, uh, what I think a lot of people don't do is, uh, is, is reach out to the campaigns. If you, if you have one or two races that, um, you are either uh, between a candidate or two candidates, I should say, or a ballot measure. Um, You know, there's campaigns on both sides, and they, uh, you know, have information that they can provide to you. Um, Sometimes they leave it on your doorstep. We're guilty of that. Um, But, you know, I think it's it's not a bad thing for you to call them up and say, hey, I just want more information about what your measure is going to do or who your candidate is, or what have you.
0: I've never thought to do that. <laughs> and, yeah,
2: and, and actually, and if I can back up for a second, you know, one of the things about government that I think a lot of people don't know, and I think a lot of people learned in COVID, was that, yeah, I mean, elected officials, when you elect them, they have staff, and those staff are there to work for you, right? Mm-hmm. When you have a problem, and you have a government problem, like, you have to interact with your government, and you don't even know how to go about doing that, Find out who your elected official is and call them, because literally we have a team of folks who do that every single day, and it is their job to be a constituent service representative, and they will help you navigate the the bureaucratic, you know, uh, dark hole that can sometimes be, you know, whatever level of government, and we'll try and get you a result. And you know, uh, I think just folks don't usually know that that's a resource that's out there, but it is. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, even if you, if, you, if you know that you're dealing with government and you don't even know where to go, call your elected official and ask them. Right. Because certainly someone like Todd, who I work for, if it's not our office, if it's not our jurisdiction as a state elected official, we'll tell you that you need to call the city. Resources, We'll yeah. tell you that you need to call your member of Congress, right? And I think folks should do that a lot more often because they are paid to do that for you and they will help you navigate it but you know the same is true for campaigns you know they are paid to answer your questions they are paid ultimately to try and get their campaign across the finish line but they will be able to have the answers to your questions and so i would say certainly reach out to them if you do have questions Um, i would hope those folks would be truthful with you yeah i mean really just think about it think about how it's going to impact your life Um, think about what it is that you believe and then you know cast your vote with the best information that you have. And don't be afraid in doing that. I'm not saying to just throw your vote away at any time, but consider the fact that the people that you elect to public office do the same thing that you do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. They take votes on your behalf, given the best information that they have presented to them at the time. And, you know, I mean, I think everyone should feel just empowered to do the same thing.
1: Ah, such inspiring advice. And also very enlightening for the average, um, you know, citizen. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of people tend to think that your elected official is inaccessible. But again, like you mentioned, yeah, Um, (laughs) I encourage folks when I'm doing my community classes, um, this is your elected official. If you live in this area, this is the email address and this is the phone number that you can call. They're available to you. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, but yes, thank you. So much great information, Nick. And um, I do want to say thank you for being here and, and sharing your perspective with us. I know that you're in the office at a late <laughs> evening. I'm sure you want to head home. Um, so where, just to, to cap things off, where can our listens, listeners find you or follow you? Or what are what are some of the things that you would, you would want to plug and last things um, that you want to share with our audience today?
2: Well, I, you know, I can be found on Twitter instagram uh, at the nick serrano facebook you can look my name up too and again happy to connect with anybody on 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 any of this if they have questions or anything like that you know i consider myself a public servant through and through uh i i get contacts at uh all weird times of the day and night um (laughs) just because i'm I'm a press contact for my for my boss and so uh, uh People abuse that sometimes where they see, you know, for media inquiries, call this number and they're like, hey, I got a question about unemployment. Right at the deadline, they're probably trying to get their story in. Yeah. Not only that, but then constituents will be like, hey, I got a question about unemployment and I found your number on the website. And it's like, yeah, that was for media only. Um, But (laughs) in any case, um, you know, what I want to say to folks is definitely um, please vote. Please vote. Yes. Um, It was said at the top of this that this is the most important election of our lifetimes, and I don't think that that's an understatement. Um, I think we have... Oh, man, did I just... No, it's fine. Okay, good. Okay. This is reality. Okay. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Campaign office, I'm telling you, 945 at night. They are... See, look at them trying to reach you. Exactly. Exactly.
1: You summoned them. I did.
2: I did. I don't know what I did for that. I was like, yeah, somebody's just totally trying to abuse it right now. Anywho. um, Yeah, so uh, I'm going to start at the beginning and you can edit this if you need to. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No, please vote. Um, We have so much at stake right now. Um, not only just at the federal level, but at the statewide and the local level. And um, I think what I just always sort of amazes me about this business is the amount of people that I hear from who say that they won't vote, that they choose not to vote, that their vote doesn't matter. And I think as Americans, as people who, who all of us have you know, the right to vote and acknowledging that our vote is our voice, I don't think any of us can be silent in this moment. And I don't yeah. think any of us should be silent in this moment. And I don't think any of us should be silent, period. Um, yes, it takes work. Yes, it takes work to get informed or to try to get your arms around all of the information that's out there. But I think given what we have seen um, in these last four years we recognize why it's important and I don't say that on a party bent or anything like that I say that feeling sober in the fact that we have hit a global pandemic and we've had failed leadership leadership that even caused the president of the United States to become infected right. and then we have 215,000 people who are dead right and we are no closer to ending this than when we began. And that is, that is, if that's not an indictment of leadership then I don't know what is. And so mm. I would just say that whether it is voting for the folks who represent you in elected office, whether that is the ballot measures that have the ability to impact your life uh, on a daily basis, um, it's imperative that all of us use the ballot to give our voice. Yeah. And um, because the fact is, is that, you know, I think everybody needs to recognize that th- their vote matters, right? Your voice matters. You obviously, you know, belong. And so use this opportunity to really make the change or at least make the statement that, about the country that you want to see, about the society that you want to live in. And uh, so I would encourage everybody to do that and to never, ever, ever think that their vote doesn't matter, that their voice doesn't matter.
0: Ah, snaps. Powerful so words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Uh, if you're listening and you'd like to learn more uh, or follow him, make sure that you follow him. It's at the Nick Serrano, correct? Is the handle? Mm-hmm. There's only Perfect. one. <laughs> Well, thank you, Nick, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me again.
1: And thank you all for (laughs) listening to our show today. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate us and leave us a comment. Um, You can also follow us on Spotify, and we do have an Instagram as well. We're at imuncomfortable.podcasts, and we release new episodes every Tuesday so you can listen to our new episode while you stand in line to vote or drive up to drop off your ballot Mm -hmm. at a verified (laughs) ballot drop box, please. (laughs) Um, So we'll talk to you then and happy voting, everyone.